0: My name is John Huggins. I'm filling in for Brian this morning. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. These four weeks preceding Christmas in which we began to think more intentionally about the Incarnation and what it meant for God to become human, to enter into our story in the most personal way, to take upon Himself really the whole trajectory of our story, to enter into its brokenness and darkness and pain and take that upon Himself. And carry that to the cross to overcome it in his death and resurrection. The four themes of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. We focus on each one of these themes one week at a time. And so this is the week in which we focus on hope. This season reflects the Christian belief and our trust that all of these things, hope, peace, joy, and love. And each one of these candles represents one of those themes. We proclaim that these things are each found in Christ alone, that they are given to us by grace through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. And we are that community that gets to declare to the world, that that gets to tell the world that they can find true and lasting hope, peace, joy, and love in Jesus. We are good news people, and we need not to forget that. Christianity is a rescue religion. It is the ultimate redemption story. And we need to be the people who are always, continually telling the world they can find these things. I think so much of modern society and pop culture is people desperately trying to find those four things apart from Jesus. And it's futile because it can't happen. There's no possibility of those things being found apart from him because he is the source of them for all humanity. And so today we focus on hope, that beautiful word, that incredibly powerful idea. But first, we pray. Let's breathe together deeply in and out a couple times to be present to the moment. Gracious God, please meet with us during this time to open the eyes of our heart to see all the truth and goodness and beauty that is in Jesus so that we would treasure him in our hearts more, that our minds would be captivated by these truths, our hearts captured and our lives compelled to live for you. Please renew and refresh each person here this morning in true hope from Christ. We pray to be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit that we can not only enjoy and appreciate and be grateful for these things, but also reflect them to the world around us. And now as Jesus taught us, let us pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What actually is hope? What does it mean? Is it specifically Christian? Or what is specific about Christian hope? Is it simply an optimistic outlook about the world, or maybe a personality trait you might be lucky enough to have, but not necessarily grounded in any particular truth or reality? Is that what we mean by hope? Some of you might remember that last year I shared a story about, as a kid, I was always hoping for a pair of Jordan shoes. That's right, they came out in the 80s. Uh, But my parents thought it was ridiculous to pay that much for a pair of shoes that you would just outgrow, and so I got Jordache shoes instead. You may remember that story, but just in case you think that, you know, makes my parents look cheap or or, uh, bad in some way, I want to tell you about another time, another Christmas in which I was hoping for something. This time I was in high school, and I had been learning to play the guitar for about six months. And I was in a music store one day, and I saw this just beautiful black guitar, shiny Gibson Epiphone. And I thought, man, that that is a beautiful guitar. I'd love to have it. I got it down. I played on it a little bit. And it had perfect action on the neck. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to mention this to my parents. So I go home and I tell my mom, I saw this uh, guitar at the store. Uh, I was going to ask for it for Christmas, and she said. Well, we can't do that. We've already bought all your Christmas presents. We've already spent all of our Christmas money. And I thought, okay, okay. So Christmas morning comes. We, we go out and we're opening our presents and everybody's happy. It's great. And, you know, me and Gretchen are watching Josh play with his toys because, you know, by that point we had graduated to clothes for Christmas rather than toys. And everyone's happy. And I noticed my dad slips out of the room for a minute and then he comes back into the living room Holding that guitar. I had hoped for this guitar so much. I was so super excited. I played that guitar until my fingers bled. Literally, there were times where there was blood (laughs) blood on the strings. This was a moment of hope realized. I played it, you know, for the next you know twenty years. I recorded two worship albums with that guitar. Now it belongs to Ava. I passed it on to her, my daughter. That was a moment of hope realized. Is that really what we mean by hope? In the, in the Christian story, it is similar to it. It does sort of point towards the blessed hope that we have as Christians. It's the same kind of thing that it does to us, that it excites and energizes and ought to move us to action. But what is specific about it? I also hope that I'll be healthy, that I'll have enough money, or I'll live long, or that I'll have that car, or I could have that outcome. But when it comes down to it, that's just wishing for things, wishing for something to happen, things that have not necessarily been promised by God. So, that is not what we mean by Christian hope. God doesn't promise to give us just anything we happen to want, as if when we prayed, God set aside his wisdom or his plans for us just to give us what we wanted. No. In Christianity, hope is a virtue. Now, In both classical and philosophical theology, there are these things called virtues. And virtues are stable dispositions of the heart and mind that incline us to act well. Virtues as opposed to vices, which are stable dispositions of the heart and mind that incline us to act poorly or against our best interest. In classical thought, there was the cardinal virtues of prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Perhaps you remember these from your education. Prudence is practical wisdom. Justice is being able to know what's right and wrong. Temperance is essentially self-control, especially with, uh, in regard to our passions. And fortitude is simply courage. The theologian Thomas Aquinas argued that all human beings could possess these And so he called them acquired virtues. He said, if you're willing to do the hard work to develop the habit, you can develop this stable disposition that will reflect prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. The image of God in all human beings inclined us with this ability, and the fall into sin doesn't so hinder us that we cannot develop these at least in some measure. But he said there were other virtues that were impossible for us because of the fall into sin and required the infusion of the Holy Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit must give them to us directly. And those were the virtues of faith, hope, and love. And of course, it means takes, taking these from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And he mean means these things in a very specific Christian way. They are specific kinds of faith, hope, and love given only by the Spirit to those who surrender their lives To Christ. God in Scripture calls each one of us to a life of virtue, that is, to cultivating these things. And specifically, I'm highlighting the virtue of hope this morning. It's one of those things God actually calls us to embody, to have. It's something He's giving to us by the Spirit, and so it's there for the taking. Uh, The difference between classical virtue and Christian virtue is classical virtue is sort of performed by grit. Uh, Christian virtue is something God does in us in the context of a loving relationship where He is molding our souls. He is forming us to reflect the same goodness and virtue that exists in Jesus Himself. And so the Bible speaks of this hope, this kind of hope, over 160 times. The Greek word is elpis, and it means specifically an expectation or trust or confidence rooted in some specific promise of God or in God's nature in general, like that God is good and wise and will only do what's right and good and wise. Hope is a confident expectation that God will prove true and faithful to all he has promised and always act according to his character. We can always expect God to be who he is and trust him to do what he says. Hope also applies some vision of the future. That is to say, hope is future-oriented. It applies some vision of the future to the present, something from which you can draw strength and encouragement and direction to live your present life. But what is that vision of the future that Christians have from which we draw strength? Is it you get pie in the sky when you die if you try? It's like Christian Dr. Seuss. Some of us think that's what it is, pie in the sky when you die if you try. No, 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 that's not it, not exactly. It is as we just prayed when we prayed the Lord's Prayer together, for God's name to be hallowed, there is a coming time when all will be able to see God for who he is and will worship him appropriately, for his name to be hallowed in everyone, for his kingdom to come, and his will to be done on earth as in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray these words as if they're God's priorities and what he, he's wanting them to be our priorities and our mission to see those three things happen. God's name hallowed, his kingdom comes, will be done on earth as in heaven. Another way to say this in the Bible is to speak of new creation. The biblical idiom or figure of speech for new creation is new heavens, new earth. You see this in passages like 2 Peter 3.13, which says, according to God's promise... We are waiting for new heavens and new earth where righteousness is at home. So that's this coming future that Christians are expecting. We see a, 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 more, a fuller picture of it in the book of Revelation chapter 21, verses one through five. The prophet is having this vision of the future and he's explaining what he sees. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I'll pause on that part because the sea functions metaphorically in the book of Revelation as this place of chaos where all the evil creatures come from. So it's a way of saying in the new creation, there's no more evil, not that there's no water. Okay, continuing on. have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. This is the ultimate Christian hope, that there's coming a time when all things will be renewed and restored and perfected. There will be no more evil. There'll be no more pain or suffering or injustice. All things will be made right no more death, no more marks of the fall or sin, and the highlight of it all is that God's presence is with us. It says three times in one sentence that God's dwelling is with us. He will be with us. That's what makes all the difference. When Jesus goes about in his earthly ministering healing people, it's like he's giving us a foretaste, a foreshadowing, a preview of this is what happens when heaven meets earth. In this passage, heaven comes down to earth. It's like the remarriage of heaven and earth. And when it comes, it heals it. It perfects it. It restores it in the same way when Jesus could touch a leper and heal him or speak to a dead person and raise them from the dead. This is the ultimate hope. God's presence being with us there is the thing that makes all the difference. This ultimate hope is sometimes spoken of as the beatific vision. I've talked about this several times here. Beatific means like happy-fying or making happy. The idea that when you see God, it will make you profoundly, absurdly happy such that it heals everything you've ever experienced in this life. It overcomes it because he is more powerful. This image is a painting by Gustave Doré, a French artist. It's based on Dante's divine comedy, the Paradiso, which concludes with the vision of God in heaven. It's that vision that makes fully happy and satisfied and fulfilled. This is what we have to look forward to. And so the Bible says things like in 1 Peter 1.13, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is at the return of Christ. Set your hope fully on that. Or in Titus 2.3, it says that we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The thing about this hope is it's not a mere political hope. It's not a military hope. It's not an ideological hope. It's not even just a future hope. This hope dramatically impacts the present. People who oppress other people know the power of hope and how important it is to kill it or to keep it small. Too much hope makes people dangerous, especially if you want to control them. The powers that want to oppress and kill are afraid of it because hope leads people to do courageous things. It moves people out of despair into new possibilities, fresh energy. Hope changes things because it motivates people to redemptive action. And God knows we need this in our world, in our societies, in our families. Not destruction, but redemptive action. What is the basis for this Christian hope? I'll say more about implementing it in just a moment. The basis of it, we could say this is fourfold, at least four things that all of Christian hope is based upon. Number one, it's based upon the cross and resurrection of Jesus. The death of Jesus means that sin is atoned for and that we can all be forgiven our sins. The resurrection shows us that the power of death has been defeated and it doesn't get the last word and it doesn't have to get the last word in your life. Secondly, the presence of the Holy Spirit, which God gives us at the day of Pentecost and promises to all those who put their trust in him. The Holy Spirit, we should never underestimate how powerful the Spirit is or what the Spirit can do in a situation. The presence of the Holy Spirit also shows us we are never alone, that God is with us with his empowering presence. Thirdly, the promises of God in scripture are a foundation for hope like the ones we just read about, about the future. And then lastly, the character or nature of God is a basis for hope. What will God do? We can expect him to act in ways that are just and good and right, which is a strong basis for our confidence. Speaking of the resurrection, N.T. Wright says, Easter, the day we celebrate the resurrection, is when hope in person. You ever think about Jesus that way? Paul's just with that phrase. Jesus is hope in person. You come to Jesus, you've come to the one who is the source of hope for everything you need. Hope in person. He surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future to the present. The church is called to a mission of implementing Jesus' resurrection and thereby anticipating that final new creation. Hope for the Christian is not wishful thinking or just blind optimism. It's a mode of knowing a mode in which new things are possible. Options are not shut down. New creation can happen because wherever Jesus is, powerful things happen. Jürgen Moltmann is a theologian who once said, where Jesus is, there is life. There's abundant life, vigorous life, loved life, and eternal life. There is life before death. He says this in a book called Theology of Hope. Oftentimes, Christianity gets reduced and truncated into just being about life after death. And he writes this whole book to show that it's not just that, it is also about life before death, here and now, because where Jesus is, there is life. Being people of hope means we believe that the impossible is possible. As we wait for that blessed hope to be fully realized, we can actually work for it now in the power of the Spirit, with the wisdom of Christ, and under the grace and love of God, and with each other. When I look inside myself, I think popular culture is just incredibly self absorbed and self focused, but not in any sort of healthy way. We kind of look for ourselves to be the source of everything. But the thing we keep finding over and over again is that the self is not sufficient for the self. That we actually need something more, something bigger, something better. When I look at myself, I do not find hope. In fact, I find a lot that's discouraging. But when I look to Jesus and remember who he is, what he has done, when I remember and read what he says then hope is renewed. Hope will then lead us to create foretaste, to create encounters of that ultimate renewal I talked about. As we seek to embody and implement it, to implement the way of Christ on earth, we have the opportunity to create hope spots. Because a lot of hopeless places in the world, right? A lot of hopeless people. But We have this vocation collectively as the church to create hope spots, to create peace spaces and joy places and communities of love and truth, always telling people, one day God will restore and perfect all of this. One day he will heal his fallen creation. He will restore and perfect all relationships and all persons. He will reconcile us to God forever, to ourselves and to each other and to his world. He will establish peace, joy, and love forever. In the meantime, we don't just wait for it in hope. We can implement it in hope by the power of the Spirit. To kind of wrap all of this up, what does hope do. Well, hope does a lot of things, as I've just said. I just want to summarize it in four points. Hope comforts us in death because of the sure and certain hope of the resurrection God will raise us. Hope comforts and encourages us in life that things are not hopeless. All things can be redeemed. It motivates us to redemptive action. As I said, hope is dangerous to evil powers. Think about people like William Wilberforce and his commitment, driven by his Christian faith, to see the African slave trade destroyed in the British Empire. He spends his whole life fighting against it until it is finally dismantled. Or people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the kind of hope that would push him to stand up to the likes of Hitler. Or Martin Luther King Jr., who, propelled by his faith, stands up to racial Prejudice. It moves us to redemptive action, but also to sacrificial action for others' sake. Hope in Christ leads us to, enables us to be able to transcend the self. That is, our hope is not built upon our own life needing to go well always, because we have a hope beyond this life, a hope beyond our circumstances. What else would lead a theologian like Henry Nowen to leave his positions at Harvard and Yale and go and spend the rest of his life serving severely handicapped people in the large communities? People who did not care who he was or how smart he was. A kind of hope beyond the present conditions of life. That's the kind of hope that can change a person, that can change a family, that can can change a community, and change the world. The last thing I wanna say about this is that these things that I'm talking about, that we are singing about and thinking about, these are not just Christian niceties (laughs) that we talk about at church, you know? It's like, oh, we go to church and we talk about all these great ideas, uh, and wouldn't that be nice? Christian niceties. That's not what this is. These are not simply things that we imagine but that don't make any real difference in our everyday lives and choices. These are the truest things in the universe. The deepest truths of life. And the deepest truths of life are often inaccessible to secular ways of knowing. They're truths that need to be at the very center of our lives, shaping everything else about us, everything that we do or think or desire. This is deep truth, which is also the best truth, the good news truth, the hope-producing truth that God is with us and for us. His grace, love, and truth shall prevail. And that's meant to guide and inspire us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, I pray you would so work in each of our hearts that we could become agents of hope in our communities in our families, where we live and work and go to school and play, bringing peace and healing, help and redemption to the broken places, to the broken people. Please empower us by the Spirit to be voices of truth, the hands and feet of Christ, driven by this blessed hope. And for whoever here especially needs it, You know each one of us. You know what we need. Please minister by your grace and Holy Spirit, fresh hope to people in the darkest of places who need help to take the next step, who need help to believe that the broken thing can be healed, redeemed, or restored. We pray you would be at work in and among us even now. In Christ's name.